Hello and welcome to the Thursday, January 5th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace Hermani, and I'm joined by Kenny, who's going to be jumping in on us with a four-game slate to kick off this Thursday, first Thursday of the new year. Kenny, it's our first podcast of 2023. Happy New Year to you. How's it going? How are your holidays? How's your new year? And how's your uh, early DFS runs? Oh, man. New Year has been going pretty well up until recently. Um, tonight, when it comes to prop betting, um, had a little bit of bad luck. Had a little bit of bad luck. Um, I thought I was going to have a big night. Didn't end up happening. Um, DFS-wise, seems like I'm always just one play too short. I'm doing okay in cash games, but I just can't do enough to win these GPPs just yet. How about yourself? Yeah, I I did pretty well in the in the GPPs on Tuesday, the ones that, uh, you know, with Brogdon and, um, and Jalen Williams coming through nicely for me and ended up with a pretty good positioning over there. So let's see if I can keep that going. Today doesn't look as good, although I did go ahead and take Fred Van Vliet just because I have a thing for him against the Bucks and clearly he did well. But yeah, the rest of the lineup is looking a little, little iffy there. I'll probably just about, uh, cash out most of these games, but nothing big tonight. But that's all right because as DFS always gives you an opportunity Every other night. And with this four game slate coming in on a Thursday, a couple of pretty, pretty good matchups, ones that I actually want to be watching in real time, including that Boston and Dallas one and even that Clippers Denver one. So lots of, lots of history and lots of big, big decisions to be made in terms of who you're going with. So let's jump right into it with the first game of the night being Memphis taking on the Orlando Magic on here. Now, uh, this is a game where the Magic are playing at home over there on a back-to-back after their game tonight. Uh, they are looking at a 226.5 total for this one with the Memphis Grizzlies at the moment favored to win by six. And I'll, uh, I'll let you go ahead and uh, start us off here first, Kenny. Who are you liking as far as the uh, Memphis-Orlando game is concerned? Um, I mean, I can't really say I can start this off without saying Steven Adams had 15 rebounds, passed his prop lines, and one of the biggest blowouts that I see somebody actually successfully hit their line in. <laughs> so if he's able to get 15 rebounds in about 24 minutes in a blowout, I really need to say, hey, am I crazy for playing him again, even though he's a little bit older on a back-to-back against this oversized team in Orlando? No, I mean, I, I like it. I was going to say he's been on a kind of rebounding run that we probably haven't seen since his, like, absolute peak days in OKC and hasn't had a game below 15 rebounds now for, what, five games straight now. So definitely uh, definitely something to be able to keep in mind. I think at 5,700, he's been a big pick for me for the last couple of games, but even with his price going up a little bit here and just uh, with some of the other potential center options, I actually like him at his value and then being able to – get some of the uh, other guards in, in some of the other games here. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, on the... Oh, I was going to say, on Orlando in, I might be crazy on this one too, since he's going to be in a back-to-back, came back for injury, but the Orlando double-double himself, Wendell Carter. Really thinking I'm going to start most of my cast game lineups double center with Carter and Adams. I don't know. I, I really hate fading Jokic, but I really do feel like this game atmosphere is going to be nice to, you know, spend about Jokic's price tag on these two players. 
I like it. I was, I was going to say, I think you may have read my mind on here because quite literally in this game, I had two guys circled and it was literally those two to be able to come there. It was just purely for me, it was about what kind of minutes we were looking at for Wendell with, with bowl bowl outs and gutting up to you know, 30 minutes on this one to get a 13 and 13 game. Definitely like it there. And for someone to have that kind of upside at 6,400, I mean, we've seen him get pretty consistently near that kind of high 30s to uh, low 40s range when he's playing his regular allotment of minutes. And as you said, it's, it's a back-to-back, so that in and of itself gives a little bit of pause with it. But from all that we can see, it looks like it's going to be an all systems go as far as, uh, as far as Wendell is concerned. So definitely a guy that I'll be looking at there. And on the, uh, on the other side, I also just uh, keep myself kind of looking at what they're going to continue doing with as far as this uh, with this backcourt itself is concerned. Cole Anthony tonight played 30 minutes, didn't get the kind of production that we had been seeing in other games where he went ahead and got 30 minutes on there. But as you said, huge blood on here. I expect Markel Fultz to uh, kind of get back on uh, on his regular minutes as well. And they've just kind of been going back and forth there. At 5,100, Cole probably has more of that upside for me, and I've kind of thrown a couple of darts with him in GPP and have had a few games where he's gotten lucky there, but definitely not the safest of floors, and you're probably better off sticking with these uh, two-center lineup as far as the Memphis-Orlando game is concerned. But the big one, the the game I'll probably be spending my entire night actually watching. I've been excited for this matchup, kind of circled it off. Boston going into Dallas, a 229.5 game total on here, so one of the higher ones of the night. A two-point spread at the moment for the Boston side. Pretty much a pick I'm expecting this to be a pretty close game, especially with Dallas going at home. And really, as far as kind of the major players are concerned, we're looking at a pretty healthy squad on the Boston side, especially. Robert Williams is going to be back uh, for this game. Uh, overall, he just he wasn't listed on the injury report in the game for the uh, against the Thunder. And overall, just looking like he is going to be playing. Uh, we're going to have to see how many minutes he actually ends up on. At 4,100, I do like that upside, but again, we're talking about the centers that we've already spoken about, the two double centers there. I'd probably like them from a consistency standpoint, but the real question is going to be what they're going to do with that with that backcourt rotation. We've seen every time uh, that Malcolm Brogdon's able to get uh, decent minutes on there, he's able to go ahead and put up the kind of numbers that we saw in that, in that bad game that they still had against the Thunder on there as well. So really, uh, any of those guys that are sitting in that kind of 6,000 and below range, whether it be Mark Smart, Brogdon, and even sometimes a little bit of Derek White, I find myself kind of going between those because I think I've taken it on the chin pretty much all season as far as uh, Tatum or Brown are concerned. Uh, how about yourself on that? Um, I'm always hit and miss when it be coming to Tatum and Brown, but I I know this is going to be a little bit of a off-the-radar play, but do you think this is going to be a Kimba Walker play? Kimba returning... Hmm. Playing against his former team, gave him away to the Knicks to be in that doghouse, and now he got to, you know, play off ball with Luka. I really feel like for 3-9, if I'm trying to go with a narrative, that's going to be the main piece that I'm going to try and just get a little GPP dart throw at. But going back to this little 6,000 range, um, I really don't want to mess with any of Boston pieces, but I do have interest in Tim Hardaway Jr., I really do feel like Boston gives up a lot of three-pointers to teams. And outside of Luka, the only person who takes about five to eight three-pointers a game on that team is Tim Hardaway and Christian Wood. And I really see Hardaway doing more of that shooting. 
Um, if you're able to get them on a nice little night where you're shooting 40 to 50 percent, that's going to be able to get you 21 points right there mm. for lessons. That's good. Yeah, no, I like it. And I mean, that, that Kemba one, I'm just a bit iffy just given the fact that who knows what kind of minutes he ends up getting in when he just con- continues to be kind of the, I would say the secondary handler. He's been sitting at 35 or more minutes in each of these games. So perhaps they get a little bit more of Kemba involved. Maybe you can throw that dart throw in there. Likely won't be where I end up spending too much of my time, but Luka Doncic, we've spoken about it nonstop on here. I, I feel like I, uh, had the one game right where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go ahead and take him for his price tag because I'm looking elsewhere on it. But today, given the fact that I'm likely not going with as much Jokic as well, just based on the centers that I will end up being take, being on my side over here, 12,600, Luka, who hasn't had a single game below 60 in his last five games at this point, and that would be his dud of a game where he ended up with a 60.25 against the Lakers. But beyond that, has been on just an absolute tear. His price tag continues to obviously rise with that, but 12600 is still not out of the realm of him continuing to drop another 65 to 70 on here. We just know that it's a one-man show at this point. As far as Luka's concerned at home, it just becomes even more so compared to uh, compared to away. But even in that, it's just a game that I expect to stay pretty close. I know I don't like to read too much into the point spreads on here, but for a guy who's shooting 53% at home, averaging 66.7 DK points on all home games, it just seems like he's going to be the stud that I'm going to be putting uh, putting my chips in. But yeah, I got to agree with you on that. Um, like I said, I'm already thinking of going double center build on here. And throwing in Luka with these two centers, you're still going to be left with over 25. So I really do think, like, Luka's definitely going to make it into my cash lineup and a few of my GTP lineups as well. I like it. I like it. Well, then, let's get a little bit crazy then with the, the last two matchups that's coming out here. First of all, the Utah Jazz going into Houston to take on the Rockets, a 232.5 game total. The Utah Jazz favored to win by six. As far as injuries are concerned, we're looking pretty good as far as both sides are concerned. Uh, we saw that, you know, Olenek's gotten back onto the squad now playing regular allotment of minutes. Had a good one uh, on December 31st, but has kind of been still getting his, let's say, sea legs back under him. That being said, at 5,300 for a power forward, I still continue to like the ability for him to be able to fill up a stat sheet. Uh, it is the kind of matchup where Houston has just beyond just struggling in general, but struggling against perimeter players and guys who can really stretch out the floor from the uh, power forward position has been an area of pretty large weakness as far as Houston's concerned. So uh, I do like uh, Olenek to be able to go ahead and be a good factor here at 5,300, getting his regular 30 minutes a game, being able to fill up that stat sheet. He just needs to get a couple more of his shots to fall, and he should be able to break 5X pretty comfortably on there. The real kind of wrinkle that I've been going back and forth with is whether I want to trust Mike Conley again, because it's been one of those where he's been doing pretty well for me at, say, two, you know, three out of the last five games. I've been putting him in just because it's been working out for my lineups as the guy to round it out. At 5,700, he's actually gone up a bit in price given his recent performances on here, but I expect this to be a faster-paced game. I expect it to be a game that is probably going to have the highest point uh, total of the night over here, and Houston at home has found their ability to be able to keep games closer than what we've seen when they go on the road. So uh, Conley at 5,700 is a pretty decent guard option as far as I'm concerned. And uh, that's probably where I'm focusing most on my Utah side. I'll just continue to avoid Laurie Markkinen. It's just 
he'll have the odd game where he goes 45 plus, but 9,000 is just way beyond what I'm uh, looking to uh, consistently put on. While on the Houston side of things, really it just continues to be uh, either if I'm not taking Jabari Smith and I'm not taking Jalen Green, I don't find myself uh, getting much exposure at all as far as uh, as far as Houston's concerned. I know Keith, whoever, while he's listening, is probably looking at me and thinking, get Eric Gordon in there, but I just, I just can't find myself doing it. But uh, who do you like in this matchup, Kenny? Oh, man. Anytime a team is playing against Houston, I look for somebody who could give me field goal attempts against them. And for 5,000, there's a player on Utah named Malik Beasley who you know will shoot, who loves to shoot, and he will have the volume to shoot in this fast-paced matchup. So for 5K, I'm going to throw him in a couple lineups. I might even use him in a couple cash builds as well. But the flyer that I actually like in this matchup, I'm always going to have some type of interest in him. Alexander Walker. I really do feel like in this matchup, it could be a blowout. I'm not sure what the spread is since we don't have that just yet. But if he gets the minutes, Alexander Walkers can give you the rebounds, can give you the assists, can give you the other ancillary sets as well. And for 3,400, you can't go much better than that on a four-game slate. Yeah, that's fair. Always just gunning for that upside. Just needs a couple of those shots to go, and it'll all kind of work itself out. Speaking of working itself out, there's two teams that have a bit of history going up against each other. The LA Clippers going up against Denver, going into Denver to be able to round out the night. And I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm sure you as a Clippers fan just loves uh, every time you go up against the uh, against the Nuggets over here. Don't have a spread at the moment, nor a total for it, just given the fact that Paul George is currently sitting as questionable for it. And I uh, pass it over to the resident Clippers man to be able to tell me if Paul George is going to be potentially available for it. He is set to be traveling with the team, but is currently listed as questionable. So I'm looking at Paul George being out. Is it going to be another Norman Powell night? Um, I mean, since it's a hamstring injury, I really do think we're going to play safe. And typically, if it's Kawhi play, Paul don't play. So I'm really going to have interest in Kawhi because of that. And for 8-1 and how he was looking a little bit back in form, I feel like this is going to be a nice little quiet night as long as it's, say, a competitive matchup. When it comes to my other pieces on the Clippers that I'm liking, in order for this to actually be a close matchup, we do need to have production for one of our point guards if Paul George is out. So I would take a shot on either Reggie Jackson or John Wall. Um, I won't play both of them. I would just play one mid to match, and both of them are coming in at 4-4. And depending on how the game script goes, their floor should be anywhere from about 14 to a ceiling of 34. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, who do you usually find yourself liking between uh, Reggie and John on most nights? Um, Usually it's the cheapest card, okay. um, to be honest with you. Um, if it's one of these, like, uh, game, faster-paced games, I'm like, okay, John Wall, he's able to do this whole little pick and roll. He liked doing, um, slow it up a little bit. Reggie Jackson is like, ah, oh, man, it's going to be a faster pace. Shoot, 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 shoot game. Paul George can't find a shot. Kyle can't find a shot. Like Reggie Jackson will give us offense. So to sum it up in an easier way, 
if I feel like a lot of offense is already going to be going, John Wall is going to be the player that I'm going to be going with. If I feel like offense is going to be hard to come by, Reggie Jackson is the player I'm going to be rolling with since he's always ready to jack up shots that John Wall will not. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. And uh, really from the, from the Clipper side, I think that's pretty much where my, uh, my exposure is looking at as well. I do uh, find myself liking a little bit of Marcus Morris anytime we do get uh, one of the two out as well. He, that's where he ends up getting somewhere close to that kind of 11 to 13 field goal attempts, which kind of lead into everything else going there. So I expect him to be pretty heavily involved in the offense, hopefully getting some of those passes from either a Reggie Jackson or John Wall to be able to go ahead and get some dimes there as well. But that's probably going to be where I look there. As far as the Denver side of things are concerned, I mean, most of these guys, for what we're seeing, are pretty fairly priced when things are going out. Obviously, we spoke about Jokic just, there's never a bad matchup in which you can take Jokic in, especially the Nuggets one, when they take on the Clippers. He already dropped a 50 earlier on in the season against them as well, only played 32 minutes in that one, and actually didn't shoot nearly as much as you would have expected, only ended up with 19 real points in that game to go alongside a near triple-double. So if he can kind of push that up a little bit, he obviously comes in play, but it really just comes down to how, who you're going to be choosing between Luka or Jokic, depending on how things are going. And just given how uh, how the game scripting is looking, how potential pace of matchup and also just the type of game that it's going to be, I expect that Luka is going to have the most kind of just raw points on a given night. So if I'm going to be ending up getting any sort of exposure on here, expecting this to be a close game, I may take a little bit of a, a dart throw on Jamal Murray on one, on you know, banging on one of those nights where he happens to go off. And he's had a couple of cool games now, which has kind of brought his price down back to that 7,000 mark. But you know, keep in mind that the three games prior to that, where he had found a shot, has gotten his minutes back to normal. He was averaging somewhere close to uh, 50 DK points over those three games as well. So you know, he's that little microwave. Uh, kind of a guy just needs to get a shot going there and uh, the rest of it all works out. So really that's uh, probably the only real Denver guy I'd be going for. And then maybe, just maybe I might throw a little bit of Bruce Brown in there because anytime you get one of these matchups where uh, you'll get the opportunity to be able to kind of uh, grab some of those long rebounds. We know the Clippers do love to shoot the three. Uh, You get the opportunity for Bruce Brown to be able to get somewhere close to that double-digit rebounds that he can get as a sneaky play uh, from that guard and forward position that ends up being where you have a little bit of interest. But by and large, it'll probably be just Jamal for me. Anywhere, anyone on the uh, Nuggets that you're looking at specifically? Yeah, there's um, two other players that you didn't mention. Um, Typically against my Clippers, I like to always look for players who shoot corner threes against Mm -hmm. them. Because for some odd reason, we love giving up wide-open corner threes. If you watched the Boston games a couple nights ago, I want to say Jalen Brown probably had seven corner threes. Luckily, he missed them all. Um, so, Michael Porter Jr. for 5'9". Mm-hmm. I really do feel like this could be a night where he could actually get 25 actual points if he get a shot going. And, and the second player that I'm going to throw out, he hasn't been too hot lately, but it's Caldwell Pope for four sits. Two players who are pretty much the best catch and shoot players on the team. And I really do feel like if you want to expose the Clippers weakness, those are the best two players to go by. I like it. Well, that's where you get that uh, inside info with the Clippers. So we'll have to see how that game ends up playing out there. But that brings us to the end of our four games. And before we head out, as always, we look at the Thrive Fantasy side of things to be able to see what the props are showing us for the night here. And Honestly, I was looking through it, and this was 
probably one of the tougher nights as far as I'm concerned in terms of like a clear pick uh, from my side of things. And most of the ones that I'm liking over here are on the underside of things. But really the first big one that jumped out to me was Jaron Jackson Jr., that 8.5 rebounds. I'm going to take the under on that. And that's just purely me one, either banking on the fact that his foul, foul rate will always get him into trouble, but also just the fact that Steven Adams is just gobbling up every rebound that goes with it, and he hasn't had a game above eight rebounds uh, since before Christmas. So it's just one of those things where I don't necessarily like that matchup for him, and for him to be able to uh, get 90 points to have below eight and a half, that's one that I'm looking at. And the uh, second under that I'm looking at on here is the Nikola Jokic one, which not as exciting because this 70 points, but... 51.5, I feel like, is just slightly more than I expect him to get, just given how things are going to be working out. He's always just been that little bit more of a facilitator in the Clippers matchup. Well, when they try to, like, double him, they really do, from every Clippers game on the end Denver I've seen, really try to put that focus in on Jokic to make him more of that facilitator, which will probably keep his overall kind of total down from that 51.5 you need for his points, rebounds, and assists. How about yourself as far as Thrive Fantasy is concerned? When it comes to Thrive Fantasy, the funny thing is I'm actually on the opposite of you on um Jaron Jackson. Okay. Um if you look if you look recently, um despite having nothing but height on the team, the Magics are just horrible at rebounding the ball. And even though you do have Steven Adams who's controlling about forty five percent of the team's total rebounds in the past four or five matchups, I really do think that um Jackson actually gonna have some opportunity to go over in that scenario. Um, for my second play, you're right. This is a little ugly. <sighs> Man, am I actually going to go there? <laughs> you know, I'm actually going to stay with Memphis. I'm actually going to go over 26.5 for John Morant. He did have, what was it, 28 points this last game in a mm. limited amount of minutes. I really don't feel like magic defense is anything that a player of Morant or any point guard really have trouble doing, even though folks isn't the worst of the defenders out there. But I really do feel like when it comes to points, especially I'm expecting Bane to be out on the back-to-back, um, Josh should be able to get there for you. Well, I like it. We'll have to keep an eye out on that, and especially on the Jaron Jackson one. I'm going to have to come back to you on that, see how that ends up working out as far as the props are concerned. But that brings us to the end of this four-game slate on the Thursday. As always, if you haven't got yourself subscribed as of yet to the Sports Ethos DFS Pass, what are you doing? Get yourself on there. Not only do you get the live injury report, the access to the DFS deliveries that we do on a daily basis as well, but on our Discord, you get to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock. You get access to ones who are keeping you up to date, giving you all the changes, seeing any sweeping differences that may happen as far as injuries or any other updates. So get yourself on that incredible deal, sportsethos.com on the DFS pass. For myself, you can find me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where we also will keep track up until lock. I get lots of DMs coming through just asking me different questions as it happens, and I love it when that does. Uh, I know I posted a couple of uh, uh, a couple of lineups that ended up working out well, so you know for those who have been having some good success, really excited about that. Hopefully, the rest of 2023 is keeping up in the same vein. And how about yourself, Kenny? Where can the good people find you? Oh uh, yeah, you can find me at Twitter at OrangeDFS. You can also find me on TikTok and YouTube. 
at Orange DFS as well. I'm always talking about basketball on all levels from NBA to WNBA to Euro League to NBL. Love it, love it. We'll definitely hit up Kenny for all of those extra leagues, extra bonuses that you get on the side apart from just NBA DFS. But that brings us to the end of this pod. Hope everyone continues to have a wonderful new year and a wonderful 2023 as we keep going. Let's go ahead and take down some of these tournaments. <laughs>